Hi, hello, and welcome back to the 1983 National Football League draft. And with the first round pick, John Elway, Jim Kelly. Welcome back to the draft. And with the first round pick, Dan Marino, Rudolph, NFL draft. And with the first round pick, Deion Sanders. I was kind of scared. I thought the show was going to take me. I would ask for so much money that I had to put me on layaway. Welcome back to the NFL draft. Good young players with the draft all back. Year in and year out. Welcome back to the draft. Wide receivers, running back, tackle, quarterback. Every year in the draft, there has been a trade. Ricky Williams. John Dolphin. Welcome back to the draft. Defensive line. Okay, we're still in the midst of draft season, Cowboys draft season, here in the About Them Cowboys podcast, the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Kent Producing, joined by KT and John Mishota. As always, we've got a special guest for this episode. And next week, we've got Dane Brugler joining us, the author of The Beast, The Athletic Zone. The Beast is available, so you can download it now. It's part of your athletic subscription, but if you want the best deal, on that subscription, you need to go to theathletic.com slash about them cowboys. Make sure you get the best deal. It's worth the price of the deal alone just to get the beast. Print that bad boy out. Bind it up. KT, I know you've got yours ready to go. We'll dive into it on this episode. But we got a special guest. He's back. It's Jeffrey time. Jeff Cavanaugh's here. Make sure you're following him on Twitter and uh following him on YouTube and all his fun Cowboys stuff has been a joy to watch. Jeff, welcome back, man. Thank you. Thank you. It's not fun. It's a hard-hitting, serious analysis only on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, look up my name, Jeff Cavanaugh. Today, I just posted a video. I did a Cowboys, uh, Cowboys War Room simulation using their 30-visitor list, their draft trends, etc. to look at how this thing might look. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to About Them Cowboys, Jeff. Long time no see. Yeah, I haven't seen you in 12 hours. Yeah. Catch um, Jeff and KT on the radio, by the way, if you're uh, driving around Dallas uh, in the afternoon on the Eagle. Be yeah, after after, Je- after Jeff retired from radio, he's uh, uh, half of our radio show left, so Jeff was uh, nice enough to fill in for a couple weeks. So, Which is uh, a real jerk temper- move by you guys. Like, I retired, I quit radio, <laughs> and like as soon as the non Pete, never mind. Contract stuff ended. I get texts from them like, "Hey, we got people out. You want to come do radio?" And I'm like, "I thought I quit this, but they're my friends." <laughs> I blame it on Christina Ray for going to Italy and probably never coming back. Um, all right, so draft <laughs> stuff, right? I I was looking at the, and it's always fun this time of year with all the sports stuff. And I was looking at the Mavs. They released like the Mavs playoff schedule, and the two like to be determined or if necessary game 6 is on night 1 of the NFL draft and i was like what are we doing here i hate when things run together like that because i think this thing's going to 6 if luka doesn't play but this isn't mavs talk about point, them mavs <laughs> my point in all this is um where are we standing is everyone feeling good about um the cowboys doing what they need to get done here um, you know, like I, I think confidence in the team in general is not great, but if there is one area we should be confident in, it is the way they've been drafting people, right? Yeah, especially first round. I mean, that's the that's the biggest thing to get C.D. Lamb and Micah Parsons the last two years. I don't know you could do any better than that. So for the first round, you know, sitting at twenty four, um, I, I think they're in a good spot. Kent texted us before the show about talking about like you know, worst case scenarios and things like that. And I was just thinking about, I'm like at 24, like, I don't know. There really aren't that many bad scenarios for me because of the fact that they've shown 
Wide receiver was in the biggest need when they took CeeDee Lamb. Linebacker was in the biggest need when they took Micah Parsons, but they took the best players. And as long as they keep doing that, I think they're in good shape. And you, you're not going to convince me that they're like there is no doomsday scenario at 24, at least not one that I've seen. And I've tried to create one, but I can't create one where you can't get a legitimate first round wide receiver or a legitimate first round offensive lineman. I assume that was KT's fault. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, and and those are the positions they're interested in. You know, you look at their thirty visit list. And you got three first round wide receivers on there. You got two first round uh, offensive guards. I guess I could have a doomsday scenario of one of their visitors, Bernard Raymond, where it's like a raw offensive tackle prospect that gets pushed up because he's just a super good athlete. Uh, but no, I believe in this team's ability to draft. I don't love the way they've prepared this year. I don't think they've even followed their own rules of being ready to play on Sunday and not be forced to pick anything. This team doesn't want Connor McGovern on the field. Right now he would be. I hate that they're forcing themselves right now. So that's interesting that you mentioned Bernard Raymond. Is there another guy? Like, Is that kind of like your cutoff point? Um, like Tyler Smith is another guy from Tulsa who some people, you know, think, you know, Late first, early second. Like, where's where's the kind of cutoff point? Like, who are the offensive linemen that they could take there that you would be happy with? And who are the wide receivers, too? We can go there after that as well. Like, where does that that point cut off to where it's like, I'll take them at 24, but I do not want to take them in the second round? Offensive line, I think there's at least three offensive tackles, maybe four, that I'd be happy at 24 likely they'll all be gone. That's obviously Iki Kwanu at NC State. That is Evan Neal at Bama. That's Charles Cross. And that is Trevor Penning, Northern Iowa. I think any of those four would be fine, but you probably won't have a shot at them. Kenyon Green and Zion Johnson are the guards and Tyler Linderbaum at center. That's it. Outside of that, I think if you pick somebody else that plays offensive line at 24, you didn't pick the best player. For uh, me personally, I don't love Linderbaum at 24. And the only reason I say that is because of all the people that I've talked to say that he's just a center and that's fine. Oh yes. Yeah. He's just a pro bowl center 10 times. And that's fine. I, 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 we had a pro bowl center here not that long ago. And like I said, on previous podcast, I, I missed all the parades that that led to all these super bowls. So yeah, um, but see, that's just your, that's just your general personality. Hold on, we did. We lose Jeff. We might have lost Jeff for a minute. Uh, What I was going to say is that it's not just with it's. It's also the way I look at just the NFL in general. Like who is investing first round picks at center? I I just don't love that idea. Now I could be wrong. Believe me, I didn't. I didn't think Micah Parsons would have been the best pick last year because I didn't think that they were going to put him in a position to have thirteen sacks. I thought he was going to be in a position where he was just going to be a traditional linebacker. So if you're talking about doomsday scenarios last year, I was going to be like, oh, one of those corners aren't there. Well, one of the corners weren't there, and they ended up with the best possible player they could have gotten. But um, sorry, Jeff uh, Linderbaum, go. <laughs> oh, I was going to say either I froze or all of you froze, and, <laughs> and if I had to bet, I would pick me. Um, spend a bunch of money on a PC. It still won't work. Um, no, like, I think that like Travis Frederick was an awesome pick. The Cowboys lack of team success. And then trying to point towards any individual position, like uh, outside of quarterback, maybe is just craziness. Like the Frederick pick was awesome. And the fact that they traded back for it too, was nice too. 
Yeah, and I think Linderbaum, hell, you might be able to do that with Linderbaum too because the league seems scared of him because his arms aren't very long. But, I mean, he's a 10 out of 10 athlete. He has top five maybe tape in this class. Uh, And I think he kind of fits the mold of the Cowboys are willing to pick the best player at a position. If you get into 24 and, you know, because everybody wants to pick a pass rusher, a corner, a quarterback, now kind of a wide receiver, offensive tackle. But you get into the twenties, and all these you let all these other teams chase those positions, and you go, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'll pick a guy that I know kicks ass, even though it's not a premier position. Um, but again, they haven't prepared well enough because if they took a center, I'm still short a left guard. I think you're short a third wide receiver. There's still other things you want to do. So I think if they did go center, it kind of throws things off kilter. But I'm just going to stay on the train that Tyler Linderbaum's awesome. And whoever picks him is going to be really, really happy for 10 to 15 years. By prepared well enough, you mean in free agency and and filling holes in the roster? Yeah, like I'd like to see them flip one of their fifth-round picks. Like find me a left guard. Go find a serviceable starting left guard. Find me an actual third wide receiver. Um, And I know there's a James Washington hive that exists out there, but there's nothing in his NFL history that says you want him to be one of your – starting three wide receivers and gout probably ain't gonna play for a month so cd lamb tweaks an ankle in camp and it's james washington noah brown and semi fihoko there's things they have to do yeah, have- yeah last year last year you know they went out and got keanu neal because they thought they were going to need another linebacker. And then Micah Parsons is there. And it's like, well, we're not going to sit there and not take Micah Parsons because we have a one-year deal with Keanu O'Neill to play linebacker. And we have a year left on Leighton Van Der Esch's contract. Let's take this guy because it's the best player available. And to Jeff's point, they are kind of forced into, you know, like you feel like they almost have to take a wide receiver or a guard in the first round. And if not in the first round, in the second round. And I don't know that, I, I mean, draft-wise, yeah, they've filled... You don't, they're not forced to take an edge rusher, but it's not like they're in great spot at edge rusher either. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence's age, Dante Fowler's a one-year deal. Uh, Dorrance Armstrong's too, but I mean, I think Dorrance Armstrong's like a solid player. I don't think of him as being somebody where if he's one of your starters uh, and playing all three downs, I don't think you're in a good spot. So to Jeff's point, they haven't addressed some of their biggest needs the way they normally do in free agency, where at least they have some bodies there where you're like, well... If they're in a tough spot, they at least have this veteran that can play at left guard. And right now, that veteran would be Connor McGovern. And I don't, I don't think anybody loves that idea. We know that they don't love that idea. Like, how long did they give him before benching him? They're like, we got to get Connor Williams off the field. Too many penalties. Get in there, McGovern. Yeah, McGovern, get out! My goodness! <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> well, and then just the way that you look at those thirty visits that they have centers on there. If they, if they really thought that they had their center in Biotish, they wouldn't have sent. Now, they're not first-round centers. Like, Linderbaum isn't one of their visits. Not to say that they wouldn't have any interest, but um, but like Jurgen, some of these other guys, like, those are because they're looking at center because that that is there's no position filled there. If they could find a better center, they'll go grab one. Um, Jeff, how do you feel about the idea that when Mike McCarthy was in Green Bay, they were able to find offensive line talent uh, in the, in the middle of the draft and comparatively to what we've seen over probably the last decade, basically the Jason Garrett era, where it felt like if you had no hole on the offensive line, you had to fill it with a first round talent. Um, do, do you think, do you think that we could be seeing some changes there or do you think it's going to be the same old, like they see that problem at left guard. It's going to have to be filled in the first or second round. I think I'm kind of zoned in on guard in the first round, but 
I do like there is the idea that's very realistic that one of their wide receiver visitors is what they're going to do in the first round. Uh, and I, I do think I subscribe to the belief that, look, you don't need five first rounders on the offensive line. If you've invested, like Connor Williams was what, a two that's now gone. McGovern, was he a three or a four? But they had him graded as a second round. They had him graded as a second top of the second round guy, and that hasn't worked out. Um, that's kind of Jeff. That's what goes. That's what my Linderbaum thing is. Is it's the do you have to really invest all these first round picks in the offensive line? I don't personally. I don't think you should invest more than two because every time you're investing another one there, you're not investing it at another position, and so that's where I, I start looking at the value because, as we all know, like. On the offensive line, like, yeah, you can have five first-round picks, but they all have to be able to gel together. You're going to have to be able to find somebody, some multiple players, I feel like, in the middle of these drafts. Yeah, and an offensive line, I like, I, I like the idea of a premier player because you're picking later in the first round, but to your point, like, you can't do that two or three drafts out of four or five or you're not getting your edge rushers, you're not getting your receivers, you're not getting offensive tackles. Uh, they should be able to fill an offensive line without using a first-round pick this year. Uh, I do like the players that are going to be available at 24, but yes, they should be able to say in the third round, pick a starting offensive guard in the NFL. You should be able to do that. I guess I'm just kind of scared off by what's happening with McGovern, which you never know on an individual player, what's going on. If it's player, the coach, the whatever, I don't know. But, but um, also Jeff, what about Connor Williams? You know, that has to factor in your mind too, that like he was a, a uh, higher second round pick than they're going to have this year. And that obviously wasn't great. Uh, then there was, I don't want to go too far back uh, and talk about an offensive tackle in the third round out of Florida that didn't work out for them. That's a little bit farther back, but we won't, we won't bring him up. But I mean, the oh, fact no. that they haven't been able to find who's the last guy that they've found. That's not a first round pick on the offensive line. The, the one that jumps out to me would be like Ron Leary. Right. Lyle Collins. And not a high first round pick huh. besides right, yeah. Travis, Fred, Travis Frederick. Yeah, yeah, I don't count Lyle Collins, but I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, is there a guy I'm like that in, in this draft, Jeff? Can we find a Lyle Collins that goes completely undrafted that can come in and be a day one starter at right tackle? Well, not at right tackle, but there is a player or two in this draft that might go undrafted that okay. might be really, really good. Okay. Adam Anderson well, at Georgia. You can look up his background if you want to, but you're going to have to figure out if he's going to be found guilty of. Very bad yes. things. And oh. if not, he's super talented. Okay. Uh, trust me, Jeff, I've already been working on my red flag report. Got a few guys on there, and he's definitely one of the first 10 guys. Um, but Damone yeah. Clark, linebacker LSU. I believe yeah. he's having like spinal fusion. Otherwise, he was going to probably be a second or third round pick. You got some red flag guys out there, KT. Well, one of my red flag guys is a, a Cowboys visitor in old Sam Williams from, from Ole Miss. Yeah. And he's not bad. It is funny. It's how, not, his isn't bad compared to others. Well, I mean, his background stuff is, and this is always so murky in sports world where it's like what, what he was accused of, the charges were dropped. So in theory, you're fine. And he's not guilty, but like, it just gets murky. I don't want to do the moral thing. On, well, yeah. And there's nothing that you can compare to Lyle because of the fact that it was also an agent being involved and saying, Hey, if our guy falls past the third round and you draft him, he's he's not playing for you. So that changed things too, because certainly somebody would have dr taken a flyer on Lyle Collins after the third round, um, for sure. To know that you're not going to get a chance to sign him. I mean, if the Cowboys can pull that off again, I mean, tip of the cap. But 
Well, your starting right tackle this year is going to be an undrafted guy in Terrence Steele. So right. I know it's not day one. Uh, the, the name that comes up that we it's really hard to know because like we haven't seen him. But I think, John, you've mentioned this a couple times in the Look, given where they picked Josh Ball last year, they need him to be able to be counted on if something were to happen to Terrence Steele or to Tyron Smith. Yeah, I mean, and you have like just your- – You'll be always faith. be able to get your Ty Nasecki's. You know, they'll always be able to f- like find a veteran to sign as a swing tackle uh, even after the draft. But where they're at with, it's not just that Terrence Steele is an undrafted guy that you're elevating him to this. And he has been a starter the last few years. Don't get me wrong, but he got a lot better last year, obviously. But I, I feel like you'd want to have some insurance behind him. And then the other fact is that it's not act like Tyron Smith has played great ball recently. Uh, so, you know, there's, you have multiple issues at tackle there where if one of those players that Jeff mentioned earlier at tackle was to fall to them at 24, I know for a, a lot of fans that it won't be the sexy pick and they won't love it, but it's not a bad pick. If you feel like you're going to find your next starting left tackle at 24 and, and that player is there, I mean, I've, I have no problem with you doing that. I just think of that. I guess what I'm trying to say is my difference is just, I have a higher value on left tackle than I do at center for anybody that's like, well, you just said sure. you don't want Linderbaum at 24. I just left tackle is such a premium spot to me. Well, and those offensive line guys, uh, it's, it's funny because we agreed that like, I don't need five first rounders on the offensive line, but if you started firing first rounders now at your offensive line, it makes sense because Tyron ain't playing forever. Zach Martin still plays awesome football. He ain't playing forever you may not be too terribly far away from having no first rounders on your offensive sure. line. And it might be time to reboot that bad boy. Maybe that's why Cowboy fans want him so desperately to push all the money back and go all in. Or maybe that should be the reason if you think that where it's like, Hey, Tyron and Zach don't last forever. And when we don't have a good offensive line, see the last eight weeks of the season, life gets hard. Absolutely. It does. And that's what it's kind of like they put themselves in this position. It's like, when, when the talk of wide receiver comes up, okay, that can be exciting and sexy and all that stuff. But it's like, hey, we saw what happened at the last half of last year. Let's get this offensive line squared away. But to that case, you get on uh, on the clock there at 24. Jeff, I, I always thought, you, I, I mean, you were a really good high school wide receiver and then you played a little college ball yourself. So um, uh, I, I would like to hear, uh, I'm going to read out Dane's top five wide receivers and I would like to hear your top five wide receivers. And then I want you to tell me the line where you're uncomfortable drafting a wide receiver at 24. Like, what? how many does it go? Uh, Danes is Garrett Wilson, Ohio State, Jameson Williams, Alabama, Drake London from USC, uh, Chris Olave from Ohio State, and then Traylon Burks from Arkansas. That's his top five. Who are your top five wide receivers? Uh, I have two names that he does not have in his top five are in my top five. Um and Dane, I'll say it over and over again, he's the best in the business, but yet I also have an ego that, um, so just believe me, not him, okay? Uh, even though he's the best in the business. I see you up. let's go. <laughs> Garrett, Garrett Wilson is wide receiver number one. I agree with him on that. My wide receiver yeah. number two is Sky Moore, who the Cowboys will not pick. Whoa! He didn't play at a big school. Uh, my wide receiver number three is George Pickens out of Georgia who tore his ACL in spring, so he didn't even play a whole lot except towards the end of the year. But watch him before that. Uh, George Pickens is awesome. Then Traylon Burks is number four at Arkansas. Jamison Williams at Alabama is number five. 
Uh, so his top five, who's missing? Drake London is my wide receiver six. And did no he have Olave in his top five? Yes. He's my wide receiver seven. Okay. Uh, so I could go as far as I could take any of those seven at number 24 and be okay. Uh, but yeah, I love Sky more and I love George Pickens more than the world. I'm okay you think with there's that. any, you think there's any chance that any one of those seven could fall to 56? Um, there's a chance because let me, see. I have, so it, I, I, let me just go with my, cause the two that you would be hoping for just based on what the world says about all these guys, uh, and like the consensus I would have to be hoping for Sky Moore or George Pickens, which to me, because they're my wide receivers two and three, would be a dream come true. So what does that require? It requires the NFL to take Garrett Wilson first, Traylon Burks, Jamison Williams, Drake London, Chris Olave. So that's like just do Dane's top five, right? Dane's top five are gone. That could happen all in the first round. Uh, Jahan Dotson goes before those two guys at Penn State. That could absolutely happen. Jalen Tolbert at South Alabama, a team could take before those two guys. And I think we're just doing a counting game where it's like, how many wide receivers do you think will go before 56? And I bet that number's like eight. So could you find a scenario where one of the two guys I like makes it? Yes. I wouldn't bet on it, but it could happen. Yeah, I, I was doing a counting game of like uh, the the twenty three picks before the Cowboys there, and how many of those teams? What is their you know? And this is all uh, subjective here, but their primary or secondary need. And over ten of those picks, wide receiver is either their first or second need. Now we know uh, yeah, how I, this works. I, I think, wide receiver I think, slide, you know, all that stuff. But I, I think second round wide receivers are going in the first round. Like I, sure. I think I think George Pickens will be like a Packer or a Chief. Because yeah. you've got the two best quarterbacks on planet Earth who both just lost their number one wide receiver. So I could see the end of the first round having a wide receiver going to each of those places, plus wherever you're seeing them mocked. I could see six wide receivers in the first, maybe even seven. I think that's possible. It's what we don't want. We want quarterbacks to go and people to swing on the edge rushers that are developmental uh, and then let me get a wide receiver at 56. Five yeah. went last year in the first. Uh, the year before that, uh, one, two, three, four, six wide receivers in the first. The year before that, one, just two. That was the Marquise Brown, uh, Nikhil Harry draft, though. So that, that, that changes things. And the year before that, just two and DJ Moore and Calvin Ridley, but five and six the last two years. So I think it's yeah. funny too, like especially with fans like listening to this or just Cowboys fans that follow the draft. Like the other thing that factors in when you watch the draft is like how your team has drafted those positions. Uh, and the reason I'm thinking is I did this Eagles podcast not too long ago and, I, and they were asking me about Cowboys interests and things like that. When I mentioned wide receiver, I'm like, well, they could find one in the second or third round too. And, and these guys like lost it because they're just like, we can't find one in the first because they just don't draft wide receivers well. Whereas like the Cowboys found Gallup in the third round. Whereas the flip side to it, if you're a Cowboys fan, is you look at the offensive line and you're just like, well, you're going to have to get that guard in the first round because this team just doesn't find offensive linemen outside of the first round when it's like, I don't know, you really can't, you shouldn't look at it that way, but I understand why fans look at it that way. 
Yeah. Our personal experiences really affect the way we think about things. Like, yeah, no, another one would be, you know, I don't know how you guys would feel about this, but if let's say Derek Stingley fell to 24, you know how many fans would be like, Claiborne didn't work out here. <laughs> We're not doing another <laughs> LSU corner, you know? Like, it's like, but I sit there and I look at him like, yeah, they got a lot of corners, but man, that seems like a great value if he fell there. See, I think that that whole line of thinking, though, should be like, if you're going to play it that way, it's the same thought as going, well, Patrick Peterson went to LSU. So, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, but you, no, me, we didn't draft Patrick Peterson. Badger. Yeah. Yeah, but we didn't draft Honey Badger. We yeah, only draft the LSU guys that aren't as awesome. Dude, trust me, I'm a Packers fan. We have two first round picks there in the 20s. And I'm sitting there going, they're not going to draft a wide receiver here because yeah. they're just not. They never have. And when they did, it was Javon Walker, and that's fine. But, like, it's just not going to happen. And I'm, like, tormented oh, by are. it, even though I'm like, would you please draft the man a wide receiver? He's really good still. Who cares if he's a jerk? Draft him a wide receiver. And they won't. They won't do it. Just watch. They won't. They're going to oh. do it. George, George Pickens is going to the Packers, and he's going to have an 1,100-yard rookie season. If you if KT, uh, they're just going to package those picks together to move up to get Kenny Pickett anyway. So, there oh we, we go. I again. like that. I would love that. Here we go again. Uh, you might not need to package any picks to do that. <laughs> which of yeah, that's true, Jeff? Which of these wide receivers do you think is the most likely at twenty four for the Cowboys? Um, I'll say Chris Olave. Okay. Uh, oh, didn't, didn't or uh, Traylon Burks would be the other one. Traylon Burks is what I thought you were going to say, but. It's weird because I try not to do the group think thing, but I'm starting to see Chris Olave like in mock drafts by smart people go before the Cowboys pick. But just watching tape of the wide receivers, I would be really surprised if Chris Olave goes before Traylon Burks. Um, so it's just a matter of how much do you believe what you've watched versus what you're reading. Mm -hmm. But in my world, I would think it would be Olave that makes it to 24. And I don't know how I'd feel about that pick, honestly. Mm -hmm. While we're talking about wide receivers, you know, a thing, a big thing that Mike McCarthy has talked about is how he likes his wide receivers to be able to, he wants them to be able to play on the outside and inside. He wants them to be able to move around so that, you know, defenses can't just key on like, this guy's going to be in this spot. This is what he plays. Now that could be just what he's saying, but let's just use that as their, their basis of how they would draft. Is there anybody because of that, that you're like, yeah, this guy's only a slot or this guy's only an outside wide receiver. So this guy doesn't really fit that. Uh, well, we already eliminate Sky more because he went to a small school, but, uh, I think a lot of people would view, some people would view him as a slot only. I don't believe he is, but I would put him there just to kick everybody's butt. Traylon Burks played a lot of slot at Arkansas as like a giant slot, but he played outside too. Um, and I think all of these top guys, Drake London played outside and the slot, even as a giant guy. Chris Olave has done both, although I'd probably like him in the slot. Uh, I think all of my top guys can play anywhere. Uh, Jahan Dotson at Penn State, I think, is a slot guy. Because to me, the slot guys are the guys that it's like, we got to find a way for him not to be facing press coverage. And Jahan Dotson at Penn State is a great player. But if you get hands on him in a route or near the line of scrimmage, it's bad news bears for him. So I would say Jahan Dotson. Okay. Well, let's play a little game here. Let's, let's play this little game kind of. I'm going to throw out a couple names. Tell me what would happen. Let's say wide receiver doesn't um, 
let's say it doesn't work out, whether the guy they want's not there or whatever. Um, the guys on the board that are still there that that would be a visitor. Let's see, uh, Jordan Davis, the uh, DT from Georgia, who they you know famously don't spin very highly on a one technique, but he falls all the way to twenty four. Or Kenyon Green at Texas A and M, the uh, offensive guard slash tackle, if you need him to. I will guess that they would take Kenyon Green, but isn't it? See, I I love Kenyon Green. I think he's perfect for what this team needs. Like, just given what you know with Tyron, I think he's perfect for what this team needs. They need a left guard, but a guy who can damn sure play tackle when Tyron, if it happens. And if we all know, it will. But it might not. Yeah. I hope not. But, God, Jordan Davis graded above Kenyon Green on an overall board. I don't. Like that's it. Okay, I do. So, but I have only watched like 40 guys this year. Yeah. I but, just I think I, to me Jordan Davis like the athletic testing, he technically tested if you're into the uh, RAS, the relative athletic scores that's from uh at Mathbomb on Twitter. He's the most athletic defensive tackle prospect in the history of the world. But he's not. I watched him play. He's made yeah. maybe three plays outside the tackle box last year total. He's a space eater that tested really well, which makes it tempting to pick a two-down player in the first round. But I do think he's a two-down player. I don't think he's... Like Vita Vea was a nose tackle that I thought, I'll pick you in the top 20. I thought that on his tape because yeah. it was like, man, there's some pass rush here, but Jordan Davis is a space eater. The Georgia defensive tackle that you want to pick in the first round, he's coming out next year. Yeah. They got a dude named Jalen Carter that's a freaking monster. Jordan Davis is good, and he would help this team. Micah Parsons would love him. The linebackers would love him. Um, I just think that Jordan Davis has been hyped up even beyond what he should be with the athletic testing when he ain't a pass rusher. He ain't a making plays on the outside. He's a hotel that you can't move and there's value there, but I would probably, God, I think I would take either Kenyon green or Zion Johnson, uh, over Jordan. Charles Davis. Cross. And I am alone there. Davis real quick on Davis. That would just, it would be stunning. Cause it would just show a change in their drafting. Cause to Jeff's point on the pass rush, like I look at Jordan Davis and I'm like, you played with all those beasts at Georgia and you had two sacks. Like there's just that. And that's fine. You know, cause like he, like Jeff brought up a lot of good things. Like I do think that he'll help out Mike a lot. He'll help them out in the run game. And that stuff is all huge. Don't get me wrong, but the Cowboys in the past would never have taken a defensive tackle in the first round. If there wasn't any pass rush, like a significant pass rush that goes with the guy as well. So, Hey, maybe this just shows the power that Dan Quinn has where Dan Quinn's like, no, I'm going to tell you what would happen if we draft this guy. This guy will go off. This guy will go off. This guy will go off. This guy, it's going to be more than just that one player. And that might be the case. It just, it'll be a lot different than what we're used to seeing. So to Jeff's point, I, I agree. I think that they're taking one of those guards over Jordan Davis if he's there. And I think that uh, Jordan Davis, it's interesting that he's on the visit list because they have three defensive tackles on there. DeMarvin Lee at A&M is a three technique. He's a pass rusher. Perrion Winfrey at Oklahoma is a pass rusher. Jordan Davis is a space eater. So I'm surprised that it's Jordan Davis visiting and not Devontae Wyatt, 
who was Georgia's three technique that is a pass rushing defensive tackle and quite possibly the best one in this draft. It's interesting that they visited Jordan, uh, Jordan Davis. I will say, though, there has been plenty of cases in the past where they I, I've come to find out later on that they brought guys in just because they wanted to meet with the player that they might not have really been that interested in them. But like, let's just do a double check. Let's get them in the building just to see. There, there's just certain players that they've brought in. I want to say one that jumps out to me is uh, of players that I don't think they are ever going to draft they brought in was uh, Malik McDowell. Not to say oh, that Jordan yeah, Davis has. You want to get to know because yeah, you hear yeah, yeah. character, character, character. Sure. And it's like, well, bring him in. Yeah. Let's see. Not to say oh. I've heard anything about Jordan Davis like that, but I just feel like sometimes out of those like 30 visits, people are like, well, they love every one of these guys. And that's not always the case, you know? Like, and also the other thing is, too, is like, you know, just because like a Nicobe Dean or somebody like that isn't on there doesn't mean that they're not interested in that, in that particular player, you know? I mean, obviously, sure. they didn't have much interest or not interest, but they didn't do much pre-draft with CD lamb, but CD lamb falls. And they're like, Oh wait, yeah, no, we're taking this guy. No, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Jeff. Sorry, Katie, guy, I cut you off. You were going to ask well, about uh, tackle, well, the other guy, the other guy's Charles cross, who's on their, you know, 30 visit list as well. And I don't know if Charles cross makes it to 24 or not, but like, I mean, what do you see them in a situation where we know they need a left guard we know Jerry has mentioned offensive tackle multiple times, though. Like, what do you what do you think if, if it came down to someone like Charles Cross? And do you have Charles Cross graded higher than Kenyon Green, even though he's yes, a guard? yeah, I have Charles Cross graded higher than either one of the guards. Yeah, that would that could be available. Um, gosh, what would they would do? Would he be I your almost, number one guy to, if they were like that? if 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 they came to you and were like, we're going to be able to get. Uh, any one of our guys on our 30 visit would cross be the one that you, you take over all of them. Uh, let me see. Highest rated guy out of their 30 visits is Charles cross. Yeah. I think I would go cross. Then the interior offensive lineman versus Traylon Burks. Uh, that would kind of be my order. I love Traylon Burks, although it it would be different because you I know everybody hates the offensive coordinator now, and it's like he wouldn't know how to use him. And I'm like, you can use a guy that's big, fast, and breaks all the tackles. You can do that. Yeah, another thing too is so like when you look at everything that they uh, they could like do there. So you can't want us to ask about like best case scenario, worst case scenario, and I think that's a great thing because I was sitting there going, well, my my worst case scenario to me even though they could be a good players, I do think it would be a complete waste if they did pull a trigger on like a linebacker. Well, right. they're good players. I know doomsday scenario, just like worst case. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, maybe cleaned out type thing. Mm-hmm. Cause I just, I'm to the point of now that you have Micah and you can do so much with him and you're counting on Jabril Cox and you've got Vander Esch coming back on the one year thing. I'm kind of feel like I don't need to mess around much at linebacker until you, you want to take your obligatory day three, special teams linebacker guy. I don't really want to go that boat. So to me, if they ended up going there, I feel like that'd be a tremendous waste of uh, asset allocation. Yeah, but you say that, but then what if they bring in a linebacker and then that just leads to even more pass rushing from Micah Parsons and instead of him being 13 sacks, he's 20 sacks. I mean, it's possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Yeah. If they take a linebacker at 24, I'm I'm immediately, the first thing I'm thinking is that, well, Micah Parsons is going to be rushing the passer even more. Agreed. 
Yeah, if they used a first-round pick on a linebacker, I would just view it as a hint of what's about to happen and where Mike is headed. Do you like Devin Lloyd? Uh, I like N'Kobe Dean better. I um, What's the big difference between their game to you? I So, like, Devin Lloyd at Utah stuffed the stat sheet and, like, makes plays all over the place, right? Huge tackles for loss, had sacks, uh, can drop in coverage, all those different things. I, I just thought that Nicobe Dean, you get to watch it week after week against the best teams in the country, basically. And he sees things before anyone on planet Earth sees things. Like uh, Georgia has two other linebackers, Quay Walker and Channing Tindall, that I better both top 100 picks, maybe top 75. Quay Walker might get picked before Nicobe Dean. Um, and like he has to run around them a lot <laughs> because it's yeah. just. He's never wrong. Instincts are A plus plus plus. And he is like it's hard for offensive linemen to block him because you're thinking, all right, I'm gonna cut off this linebacker. Oh, wait, he already left. Um, I love Nicobe Dean. He's the reason that Devin Lloyd might and probably will go before him is because Devin Lloyd's six foot three. And Nicobe Dean's not quite six foot. Um, but Dean's a stud. Like he's one of the guys that I think wherever he ends up. We're going to realize, well, he's also an off-ball linebacker, so I don't want to praise him too much because I was going to say he's going to get underdrafted, but if he goes in the first round as an off-ball linebacker, I don't know if that's really underdrafted. But if he were two inches taller, there would be no conversation. None. Hey, uh, this is not Cowboys-related, but most years we do count on like the quarterbacks to go. Have Have you watched the quarterbacks yet? I know sometimes you do them later. I've I watched some of each quarterback just to have a reference point before totally studying them. And man, it's underwhelming. Yeah. See, that's the thing this year is a little different because usually you're counting on two or three or four quarterbacks going before the Cowboys yeah, pick. And now we're going reaching for oh, quarterbacks. Crap. Yeah. <laughs> and this one you're going have, after. <laughs> I bet you'll have a couple go. But the thing is, is in this year's, I don't even know who they are. Like Malik Willis, it seems like it's going to be the first one. And that's an incredibly raw quarterback prospect that maybe is going to go in the top 10 or whatever. And then the second one, I don't know. Like Desmond Ritter could be a top 15 pick or a second round pick. Matt Corral could be a top 15 pick or a second round pick. Kenny Pickett could be a top 10 pick or a second round pick. I, I don't know the order that they're going to go in this, this year more than ever. Tell me where each quarterback prospect goes and I'll rank their careers based on that, not based on them. It's just a weird year. Yeah. And some teams know that. They're all getting ready for Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. What about uh, – we mentioned Stingley. Anyone at cornerback that you would consider at 24 only and, – and also, like, what's your confidence level in, you know, Kelvin Joseph, though, right? Uh, the only cornerbacks – I think if you're going to take one at 24, it signifies one of two things that either you've already written off Kelvin Joseph, or you believe that the guy that you picked can be your nickel guy for the next five years or whatever. Uh, and so it puts me in a weird spot trying to guess what corner they would pick, but I'd throw out three names that could be possible. Trent McDuffie at Washington, I think, could go before the Cowboys. He's another guy. He's the Nicobe Dean of the corners. His tape is basically flawless. He has short arms. He's not a big guy. Um, so that could be possible. But with what we know about Dan Quinn, 
I think maybe you look at like Andrew Booth at Clemson and Kyler Gordon at Washington because they are the six foot one long armed athletic guys. Uh, I wouldn't mind Trent McDuffie just because he's such a freaking awesome player. But you'd be drafting your nickel corner night. Now, now Stephen can save five million. You get rid of Anthony Brown. Yeah. There's a game to be played there, like with the with the money. Uh, but but the, I was surprised that just one cornerback on their on their visit list. It's not a pressing need, but it's always something that you know you're kind of interested in. And that money that you could save with Anthony Brown does seem does seem like it was something the Cowboys would be interested in. Um, just knowing how Steven operates. The other thing is, so many tight ends on this visit list. Are we talking third round? Is that kind of your sweet spot for tight end? What are you thinking on these tight ends? I think they're targeting a tight end in the third or fourth round. Um, and I'll rank their visitors. Jelani Woods at Virginia. I'd be fine in the third round. Really happy in the fourth round. He's six seven. He's an awesome athlete. And he just runs people over when he has the ball in his hands. It's so much fun to watch. He does drop the ball some. And he is uh, a little bit raw. But he has the upside. Like He looks like a supercharged Martellus Bennett. Uh, Jeremy record at Ohio state, I think is third, maybe fourth round. Kate Otten at Washington is fourth, maybe fifth round. And Texas A&M Jalen Weidermeyer is one of those visits that maybe falls into what John's talking about, where you want to figure a guy out because Jalen Weidermeyer was in Dane Brugler's top 50 before the season started <laughs> today. To me, he's not draftable. This testing was bad, right? Yeah, he ran a 5.0440, and his vertical jump was 25 inches. I've had nine surgeries on my right knee. I'm 37, almost 38 years old, and now the only thing I can do is play in a rec league sand volleyball league. I can jump higher than Jalen Weidermeyer. He's about to be an NFL tight end. I might be able to beat him in a 40 still. That's You can't play in the NFL if that's the level of athlete you are. So for the Cowboys, like the tape is okay. And maybe you're just figuring out like, did you not train? Did you like what? Or is this really what you are? Because if you're that level of athlete, you can't play in the NFL. In days. And it wasn't like he was like some one hit wonder either. Like his stats throughout his time at AM were pretty consistent every year he was there. Yeah, you're right. And those are pretty good numbers for tight ends in college ball right there. I mean, 32, 46, and 40 catches. But uh and Dane's Beast, he wrote that he had a freak accident uh, on, a, on, a, on a tendon. He missed the 2021 spring practices because of surgery on his tendon after a freak off-field accident. And that's the question that you would waste a visit on just because you're what? so curious of what actually happened off the field. That was such a, a big deal. Did you take a Razor scooter out to the skate park? What are we looking at here? <laughs> What do we Hopefully got? Hopefully rollerblading or something, yeah. <laughs> did, a, uh, did a Fast and the Furious style uh, parachute car out of a plane. Just wanted to do a stunt. Ended up hurting. I'd bet against that. I would bet against that being it. Could it be pills? Just has a pill problem. What? I don't know. It could be a lot of things. That's why you're oh, so curious. Jesus. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you those scouts are gamblers and they've got they've all got a pool. What is the off-field accident? I'm just kidding. Maybe it's um, just working this guy out. They they can work him out at the 30 visits, right? Let's get him on the field and 
See if we can. I don't know. I know at Dallas Day you work out. Oh, Dallas Day. Maybe I that's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that's the Thirty visits. Of. I don't think you work out. I think yeah. they just walk around. Dallas and hang Day out is what I'm talk. thinking of. I've because I've shot video for one of those. I know, and I know there were prospects there. I remember Daniel Wise yeah. being there and Leon Lett coaching him up like pre-draft. So yeah, it must have been Dallas Day. Kansas D tackle. I loved him. Yes. So did so did uh, Leon Lett. It didn't work out uh, for them. Oh, I think no. they. I think they. Uh, they drafted him, right? Or they, it was an undrafted yeah, drafted guy. Him. It was an undrafted drafted guy. Him they brought him in, but then he no. Uh, I think Wise. They, I think he was like an undrafted, undrafted, yeah, yeah undrafted okay. rookie free agent. Yep. But I, think I he would made have the team. Him. Yeah, yep. so I'm an idiot. Yeah, John. Worst, uh, worst case scenario there. Best case scenario. <laughs> um, running back. There is not oh a God. like the worst. Yeah, the worst I, case. A realistic worst case scenario, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I, honestly, I, I don't really see one because I know that uh, I guess taking a safety there, but this team will show you that they're not taking no safety at 24. I wouldn't love a safety there. Um, and I told you already, I wouldn't love Linderbaum, but I know a lot of other people would. So that's just me. I also wouldn't have loved Micah Parsons last year, but I didn't. Also, I, didn't I also didn't think that they were going to yeah. use him the way that they did. And so because of what happened last year, like, um, the possibilities for me are a lot different. Like there's, I don't know. I just went through like a decade of like, this is how things were done with, when Jason Garrett was head coach. And this is just how it's going to be. You can set your watch to it. And now over the last couple of years, you know, like for example, like I don't think Jason Garrett takes CD lamb. I think that, and not because of him, but just the way that everything was going at that time, I think they take chase on there. And so yeah. that while, when they took CD lamb, that kind of showed me that there was a little bit of change going on there. And then the Micah Parsons pick and then to use Micah Parsons the way they did. Um, I, I mean, I guess for a worst case scenario would be that none of the quarterbacks go before 24. Cause as long as two or three go, then they'll push a couple of good players back. Um, but yeah, I don't really have, I, I think that they're in a good spot. I don't, I don't really have the doomsday uh, scenario that I've had in years past that, that is realistic. Cause like you said, I don't, they're not taking a running back there at 24. So I I don't think that that's even a realistic thing to talk about. I guess, I guess maybe if at guard they re, they take somebody that like we're not even thinking of, you know, like they really you like drop reach. a canard on you or something. Yeah, something that you're just like, whoa, like I can't, I never saw that coming, you know. Or it's the Marvin Leal. There you go. I wouldn't love that. That would be worst case scenario. Uh, well, and and my other worst case scenario is taking. And this year, this kind of goes to John's point, this year the worst case scenario that I'm about to draw up might end up being a good pick because I think the worst case would be taking like an edge guy that yeah. isn't a complete first-round type player. Like there's a chance that someone in the NFL is going to take a guy like Boye Mafe at Minnesota or Arnold Ebicady at Penn State who are really athletic dudes that can kind of rush the passer and people are going to think that can develop into a really good pass rusher in the NFL. And so to me, that would be a big old reach at number 24. But also if you hit, it turns out that I was an idiot and you got a really good pass rusher. Uh, outside of that, I think it's going to be hard to screw this up. I, I think that it's going to fall in a way that you're going to have your option of, do you want a wide receiver? Do you want a starting left guard? Are you surprised by an offensive tackle they got here? Uh, I think they're going to end up in a good spot. What if uh, 
um, all those options are there, but uh, so is uh, uh, George Karolaftis, the edge from Purdue. Is that yeah. the no-brainer you just take him? or I would, yeah, I would probably take Karloftis over everybody not named Charles Cross that we've talked about. Karloftis, mm-hmm. uh, good. Karloftis, good. I'm, I'm, it is fun now that there's like a creative canvas on defense to kind of work with instead of like John was saying, yeah, well, here's how Marinelli wants to do it and here's how Monty Kiffin did it. So it makes me think about so many things that you could do on defense. And then I keep going back to, hey, you idiot, why did this team lose last year? This team lost because their offense sucked in the last half of the season. Like, bottom line, that's why they lost. So, I think they lost. Honestly, I think they lost. Well, it was multiple reasons, and it's overblown to me because it was two things. Dak was never the same after the calf strain, and your offensive line somehow forgot how to block in the middle of a season, which is really weird. Uh, So, those two things... But then you add them up, and then you go, and you won 12 games. And if you just play a little better in a postseason game, you get to keep playing. So I guess to me, it's kind of overblown when it's like, this team is a failure, and they suck, and they couldn't win when it mattered. And it's like, no, they played playoff football, and like everybody else, they played a close game, and they happened to lose it. Well, there's another factor. There's, you know, 20-some years of similarities that also annoy fans, too. You know, that if this is the Eagles— but if they're all is, different. They are different, but when you have that long of a track record in an organization that's not the Detroit Lions, it's you know not this bottom feeder, you know Jacksonville Jaguars. Like you expect that. Well, okay, so yeah, maybe some bad luck there. When you play the odds that go back to since 1995, like don't you think that like if you're doing it the right way, eventually one year that maybe it works out your way, like or or maybe sport. that you're not. Maybe you need to rethink the way that you're going about the way you're doing things. I, I mean, I think those, well, I'm not saying that they have to. I'm just saying that when fans are, who are obviously frustrated right now say those things, sure. I don't just yeah. completely dismiss them. I'm like, no, that's, that's, a, that's a valid point. I don't either. I, I just add in that it's sports. Like it's, it is, it sucks that your team is the one that, and I would call it bad luck, variance, whatever, that your team is one of the very few that hasn't been to a conference title game in forever. Like that sucks. And as a fan, if you're fed up with that, that's okay. Cause that's how sports fandom works. But I also think that there were at least two Romo led teams that could have won a Super Bowl. And I think there's already been at least two Dak led teams that could have won a Super Bowl. Like the teams were good enough. They just didn't win when they got to the postseason. 2016, you could have. Last year, I think people think you could have. And then Romo was what? Oh, nine or. Oh, last year, they absolutely could have. They were playing the way they played in the first half of the season. Maybe. Right. If they were were playing the way they did in the first half of the season, they definitely could have won the Super Bowl. When I see how everything out play, I mean, can you just imagine me telling you at the beginning of the season, like, check this out. Not only are they going to go through the NFC, but when they get to the Super Bowl, Joe Burrow and the Bengals are going to be waiting for you. Like you would have been like, oh my God, this, this is it. It finally happened. Everything fell for them perfectly, you know? So, but that back half of the season, I don't know. There's not many teams that I, that were even decent middle of the pack that I don't think would have beaten the Cowboys. They just, the way they were playing were like, they were like stuck in the mud. Arizona pulled the Cowboys. They fell apart. You might've beat them. They do that Uh, every year. It's a Cliff Kingsbury. They had a chance to beat them and they didn't do that. That's true. That's, but that's my thing is just that, it, it's not just the 49ers pull- game for me. And I feel like a lot of fans feel the same way. It was like anytime you played a team with a pulse during the back half of the senior, just like, whoa, 
really, guys? We can't put this together for one game? Like, they're just, it was trending in, a, in an ugly direction, you know? It wasn't like what happened against the 49ers, to me, was not an outlier. It was like, no, this is just how they've been playing the back half of the season. This is what's going to happen. But you don't balance that with your own words that like, oh, yeah, this team could have won the Super Bowl. Like the first half of the year, it's like, I feel like so many people are pretending they have no idea what they're doing and they're a bunch of idiots. And yet they consistently put a product on the field that if the quarterback doesn't get hurt, wins the NFC East and has a chance to go do something. Yeah. I definitely think the idiots thing is, yeah, that's, that's definitely taking too far. Believe me, I'm from Detroit. Um, I know how to run a bad NFL organization. (laughs) I don't think that they're that I'm just also from Detroit. And when I moved to Dallas, I'm like, there's definitely room with all the resources they have for them to be better. Yeah, you should look at the Dallas Cowboys like you look at the top organizations in the NFL. And I don't think any unbiased critic would say, no, no, I put them in that same category with those. I mean, I don't think that they're, you know, there's tiers to it and they're definitely not at the bottom. They're probably like the upper middle, but they're definitely not in the top and they have all the resources that they should be at the top. The um, Rams pod on the athletic Jordan Rodriguez was talking about this the other day and how so many people talk about, you know, the blueprint that the Rams had. Oh, they signed these free agents. That was their blueprint. They went and signed these free agents. That's what people have to do. You just go sign guys. And she's like, that that wasn't it. It's the ability to sign guys and draft the right guys and meld those two together. You know, you can't just rely on the draft to build a team. You can't just rely on free agency. It's the ability for them to figure out the formula to intermingle those. And that's why and there's some successful. luck involved. Believe me, yeah, there, that's, plenty of there, luck. There's too. definitely yeah. luck involved, but I'm just saying that. I can understand where fans look at that and go, yeah, but there's also an aggressiveness there that I would like my team to show sure. every once in a while instead of the just, this is the way we do it. It'll fall to us. And mm-hmm. and so I can see where fans get frustrated about that, especially, again, because you are one of the organizations that, you know, you should be a little bit more aggressive from time to time. I mean, the Rams drafted the best defensive player in the history of football and then yep. traded for the best cornerback in the league. That's a great starting point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that goes to the aggression, I guess. When Jalen Ramsey becomes available, you raise your hand. Yeah. You go, okay, here we come. When Odell Beckham and, is on the way out, I'm in. Let's go. Well, you could have had Jalen up, Ramsey. Upgrade at quarterback if you can, right? If you can upgrade yeah. at quarterback. Don't that settle for people. Jared Goff, yeah. Yeah, that ought to get people uh, spiced up that are listening to this. <laughs> um, uh, okay, uh, uh, we're going to end this thing on a downer. That's a weird thing. but uh, Oh, great strategy. Tough, tough loss uh, this week. Uh, I, I didn't know him. So I'm, very, I'm a little uncomfortable talking about it. I know him based on what you'd see on Hard Knocks or All or Nothing, uh, but the loss of uh, former Cowboys uh, running back coach Gary Brown uh, and John and Ken. I know both of you guys know him pretty well. Yeah, I'd say the biggest thing that always stood out to me about Gary Brown is uh, when you're around people that work in the NFL, um, you know, there's just certain people that they act like that because I work for an NFL team, I'm too good for you. I don't need to talk to you. I'm above you. And the far opposite of that is Gary Brown, where it's like just an everyday good dude you know, positive person, good, good guy that like anybody he comes in contact with would never give off any vibe that he's better than you because he works in the NFL or he played in the NFL, just super down to earth, super approachable. Um, he's, he's one of the nicest people I've come across since I've covered the NFL. And, you know, I'd known that he had been battling cancer, uh, off and on for, for a little bit. And I had no idea that it had gotten to the level where it did. And then, you know, I heard that, you know, uh, 
he was in hospice care and that it just uh, it just really sucks because he I mean not to say that anybody deserves to go through that but he's just such a he was such a good dude man he was a, he was a good person everybody and I, and and there's there's a thing with like Twitter where uh, you know people want to post like whenever somebody passes away like you genuinely should post like positive things I, I totally get that but I also there when that happens sometimes you're like is this really whatever. I'm telling you, Gary Brown, legit. Like all the stuff you hear about him is is for sure. He was a genuinely great dude. Yeah, I I think you nailed it, John. Every time we'd come across him in the facility, every time we'd walk past him, interact in the locker room, he just made you feel a part of it. Didn't make you feel like the media. Like you guys are in our way. I'm just trying to ignore you. I hope you don't stop to talk to me. Like he wanted you to stop and talk with him um just so personable so nice was a perfect coach for zeke right at the start uh, i mean certainly a, a father figure to those guys and that clip that resurfaced i texted john about it that clip that resurfaced right after i think it was the 2018 season it was the no 2019 season was garrett when garrett left and they kind of cleaned house on the on the staff he was like you know there's a lot of uncertainty here but i just want y'all to know Outside of this, anything you need in life, I got you, you know? So, you know, like, I know we're here as a team right now, but, you know, tomorrow we're going to be all in our own lives individually, and I still want to be a part of that. And I think he really cared about people and just was such a joy to be around. Always said, what's up? Was Would be the first person to say hi. Um, and went back and watched some some all or nothing this past uh, week just to, to see some great Gary Brown moments and, and what a joy he was to be around. But man, so, so shocking and, and couldn't believe it. And, uh, you know, life is precious. That's, uh, that's all you got to say. So we'll end on that, that great downer. Yeah. Sorry about that. I guess while <laughs> we could take a, a, two minutes, maybe uh, any guesses on what's the big Cowboys business announcement? What do we have here? Is hey, we got a new sponsor. Sources tell me it's a sponsorship deal of some kind. Imagine yeah. that. Doesn't that excite yeah, the fans? I mean, you got to really I, be like, I'm re-upping my season tickets. They got a new sponsorship deal. It was never going to be anything fans cared about. <laughs> never. It's a it's a large sponsorship of of, of a certain kind. Yeah. So. I was hoping gambling it, company. I was hoping it'd be like, look, here it is. We've got to give the new daughter twenty percent of the team. You know, when they start. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, they're going to have a press conference for that, KT. I think they should. It's, New stadium. it's time. Hey, there's no such thing as bad publicity, right? It would be oh, 25%. She's one of four. She's Here's a little four, nugget yeah. for you. Here's a little, yeah. a little Sorry. gossip rumor nugget for the end of the pod. I, I have like heard uh, via the grapevine that they're more lenient on building a new stadium than they are upgrading and maintaining the current stadium. A new state? How long has the thing been up? Honestly, 15 years, 14 years. I mean, yeah, you're getting close to 15 years. I mean, dude, the line. Will they build it the right direction? Well, is this Jerry admitting that this that's stadium faced the wrong way and he never realized it? There's been talk about, hey, there's some upgrades we need to do at AT&T Stadium. Here's how much it's going to cost. And the, the result is, oh, let's not do that. Let's just save that money for. Uh, Make I'm it bigger you, than the other ones. Make I, it bigger I, than I did Atlanta, not hear Minnesota. anything. I did not hear anything like that from any reputable source. But I did have a conversation with somebody recently where that 
something along those lines was being discussed in the fact of he does own Jerry Jones owns all this land up up by the star mm-hmm. and then north going all the way up to Tollway to prosper. And obviously the city of Arlington helped them build that stadium with the taxpayer dollars and stuff like that. If you can find another city that's willing to foot over Think half about the bill, Frisco like, would do it. could you just imagine? Because here, you know. Thanks, taxpayers. I'm just going to leave this here. There's a Bye. Pa- there's a part of me. Okay, so uh, I was at Texas Live recently, and you look across the street at the old Ranger Stadium, and it's not like it's some dump. <laughs> like you're like somebody could be playing baseball there right now. And then there's this thing, and then just the fact that like, and again, like when I was joking around and talking with somebody about this, about the them building a new stadium for the Cowboys, I wasn't meaning it like within the next you know five to ten years, but I'm like. Well, I could see it being a possibility for them doing, and then here's the other thing, like that always factors in. Like I guarantee that they thought they were getting more than one Super Bowl when they did, and the key to getting a new Super Bowl, is another Super Bowl, is building a new stadium. But I just that would just be. I mean, what would they do with that thing? It would be so wild. Well, ten years is twenty five years, and twenty five years we lose track of this. But if you look at all the sports, pretty much, well, it's different with like you know those indoor arenas. But twenty five years is pretty common. Uh, a time for a stadium to exist unless you're going to okay, go but, make heavy <laughs> renovations and things like that. So in 10 years, a lot it would of be time for a new stadium. Done. And yeah. that means plans for that would need to be done in the next five years. So right. we're weirdly, we're already at the point where that conversation is maybe saying. not as crazy as throw a little I thought out it there. was when Kit threw I'm that out there. chum in the water. Let me also say that, okay, so there's like four or five stadiums I haven't been to yet. And the only newer one I haven't been to is the one in Vegas. So I've been to all mm-hmm. the newer ones. AT&T Stadium still is easily top five. It think holds about, up against any. So to even be talking about something like that just blows my mind. Think about this is the last thing I'll say. How Think about how many screens are in that stadium. Oh, my God. And, in AT&T in or in Vegas? They have to upgrade all those. All those are already out of t- date technology-wise. Yeah. You know what that's going to cost? That's, this is what I'm talking about. Like Somebody's going to have to sign a check somewhere to, okay, yeah. Up, make that sure that's going to be relevant for the next five years or 10 years. <laughs> so like, would you rather push that money, it, put that money into a new stadium or put it into 18? That's what I, there's, there's Kate, Katie, I saw your accountant. It's, certainly a it's, debate. I would say Vegas is probably nicer just because it's newer. The one in LA, Minnesota, that's it. Atlanta. No, so Atlanta. No, no. 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 Sorry, wow. Arlington taxpayer. I, I mean, I like the no, circle. Big screen that Atlanta has, but in terms of the stadium as a whole, no. Yeah, isn't it no. true that the that the Cowboys don't own the stadium that they pay Arlington a million dollars a year in rent? Oh, I don't. I didn't know that. I have no no clue. I on thought that they were. I mean, Jerry Jones gets all the credit for owning it. I mean, so many people think that that he but is the one that built like, it himself. Like they 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 still have to pay the city of some. some yeah, kind there of, could be. Yeah, like and for the Rangers, half half, maybe. I, I mean, Rangers. That is for sure taxpayers, but that was a vote, and the taxpayers voted yes. And the people who are mad about it probably didn't vote. Like, like I don't know. Maybe you could vote on the thing. Like, and if you're that mad, like I don't know. I don't know what to say on that. Like, political KT stop. Well, no, out. I'm just saying. Like, how many people voted? I, I guarantee you, it's way, way, way less by tens of thousands than the people who are actually mad about it. All right. I'm just saying. Like, it's good spot then. The, the truth. All right, we got to go get get John to this announcement. It's fine.
All right. Um, g- goodbye, everyone. Uh, for Father John Mishota, who we love so much. For uh, Jeff Cavanaugh, follow the Jeff Cavanaugh show on uh, YouTube. Or, or just uh, YouTube, uh, Jeff Cavanaugh. You know, I don't know how yeah, to find dude. it, you know, just, but it's there. Yeah. It's easy. Just, yeah. Subscribe it. You'll never have to search it. For our producer, Kent Garrison. Kent, Thursday night, Electric 6 in Fort Worth at Tulips. I'll see you there, man. You going to swing it? Oh, he's going to see me there. Woo! I'm KT. We'll see you next week on About the Cowboys. I got to see those lips.